guys, welcome to another episode of the Chairsofter Show. I'm Andy, and joining me tonight I have Dan, the Sniper Mechanic. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good, yourself? Not bad, buddy, thank you. Uh, so, guys who haven't come across you before, basically, you are one of the, if not the, sniper guru for the UK, aren't you? I'd say. Uh, it's... I guess so. I think I'm certainly one of the more known, but there's certainly a lot of good techs in the UK. But yeah, the the blog and the name certainly got out there in the last sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I've come across you a few times following James Kicking Mustang's channel for as long as I have. So you cropped up. Uh, especially fairly recently with the WASP system, which we'll come on to in a bit later. Uh, Anthony Snick was going on about that, like there was no tomorrow last week's episode. So oh, he loves it. He loves yeah. it, doesn't he? Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that one in a while. But first off, let's start talking about where it all began for the sniper mechanic. Um, so I got into, I've been playing Airsoft for about 10 years. Um, I started in a site called Elite Action Games down in Worthing. Um, and I really got into it because uh, when I started, one of my one of my first sort of early skirmishes, my gun failed, which I think was just a JGM4 at the time. Um, and there was one guy there whose name uh, I cannot remember, um, using sort of an old string jute style ghillie. Um, and he had a backup rifle, and he was sort of like, here you go, use this, see how you get on um, while someone else is looking at the gun. And yeah, I, I played a game with it in the afternoon, um, did really well, um, surprised myself, got shot a few more times because I was trying to play sort of how you would play with an AG, running around, getting to the front. Um, and I sort of stuck with this guy for the second game in the afternoon, and yeah, sort of got into the sneaking, the ghillie side of it. Uh, and then from there, I just started building my own rifles. Um, actually, that's a lie. My my first up rifle was a JG Bar 10 um, before the the QC went down and them um, sent it up to uh, ASP UK back when they were owned by Darren. Um, oh, yeah. Just sent it to him and I was like, make me a good rifle, put all the parts in it, and he sent me a rifle back and it was great. Um, and it it failed after sort of six months just because they can anything airsoft. You can do everything to it and they can still fail every now and then. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll have a crack at it, took it apart, rebuilt it. And then, yeah, just sort of over the years, I've done it for myself, and I've had many, many sniper rifles, many different platforms. Um, started doing friends and teammates and people locally, and then, yeah, about a year and a half ago, I thought, you know what, there's people like it. The forums have, have slowly started to die out because of Facebook, and Facebook's full of trolls and people that don't actually want to help anyone anymore. So I thought I'd try a good old, old-fashioned blog. Um, and yeah, so I just try to stick with it and yeah, share content, whether it's stuff I'm doing for myself, for customers, general things I've stumbled across and yeah, so I've just grown from there really. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say about the Facebook because as you said, it is just full of trolls and the fact like, I mean, I'm guilty of it sometimes when I'm in a bit of a playful mood, but you get the ones that seriously just go on and just deliberately try to derail a conversation, whereas... Some of the, the, as I call them, the soft trolls. Like myself, would just go on and put up a silly meme or something every now and again, and then just have a laugh and actually help the person out via PM or whatever. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's there's a lot of people who come on for help and they almost get shot down in a way. So your messages can 
get lost in the ether as such, can't they, when you're trying to offer genuine help on social media? Yeah, I mean, I do I do get some... As you said, the soft trolls, like, I'm the same as you. I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I'll like put a meme up or do a jokey status, but I'll always reply with the helpful answer later. Yeah. But, yeah, people are very quick to just shoot people down and not offer advice, which is a shame because there's so many knowledgeable people. Um, yeah, everyone knows a bit about something... Yeah, everyone's had their own experiences with things they've that have failed or that they bought or that they've installed themselves, and and it's a constant learning thing. I I I don't know. There's so much airsoft stuff out there in terms of sniping. Um, you'll you'll never really learn at all. But the reason I've worked on so many platforms is because you learn loads about one, and you sort of get to a comfortable level, and then something else pops up like a new system, or sometimes not a new system. You look at a really old system like the APS2 system. Um, yeah. and it's sharing that knowledge because there's always someone else that knows either more than you or just different stuff to you and I think that's that's something that should be shared and unfortunately the, the main place that people should be able to go and get that information has turned into one of the most malicious pages I think I've come across recently which is a shame because it's probably the most knowledgeable page as well yeah I think that was sort of proven with the fact of the abuse that some people have been getting about their products for example let's talk about bbs yeah as as you and i both know working with them and you being part of it with with the uh, hot shots coming out how much abuse are those guys had to endure about the bbs even though it's all above board and certified people still refuse to believe it yeah, and I kind of get it. Like people are, people are obviously they've they've got their companies, they've got their their livelihoods, and and some companies are, are known for being an airsoft company. Other companies are known for just doing the ammo, and then have tried to expand, and and vice versa. There's companies that have never touched consumables that are then trying to get into it. But the yeah. the thing is, it's like there's so many. Like if you look at every weight of BB, there are fifteen to twenty brands that have the same bb you've got asg you've got all the brands that taiwan gun do gunfire specner arms they're all pretty much the same bbs in terms of where they're coming from granted that they have different ingredients so you can have three different brands that have got four eights two of those brands might have the exact same recipes and the third one might have something different but ultimately, they're all coming from the same place. They all have to adhere to the same standards. So a lot of it really does come down to, is it certified? Has someone recognised that actually the factory it's coming from can prove their bio, or has a government done it, or have the TUV done it? And then it's the brand. Who do you want to support? Like, I've used every BB, and I've promoted every BB, whether that's Longbows, Jeffs, Hot Shots, Kicking Mustangs, ASGs back in the day, even BB Kings when they were sort of the sort after BB. Oh my god! <laughs> Not that I'd ever touch. Now I'm a bit older and a bit more knowledgeable. I'd never touch a BB King again. Um, they do tend to swell. But otherwise, the, it it is silly that you've got all these brands trying to make a name for themselves. And and BBs, you're never going to make a huge amount of money on it. They're there as an add-on. Like, it's rare that you would just go on a website and just buy BBs. You would yeah, buy exactly. them because you're. you're gonna... They're, they're an add-on item. Like you, Companies that can survive on just selling B2Bs as a retailer, not as obviously just a, a distributor or the, or the factories themselves, it's tough. There isn't a huge markup on them. Um, but again, it's it's just 
so many people are doing it, it just seems that certain people and certain groups just want to go after certain brands or the people behind the brands rather than the item. And it's yeah. a shame because when you start stifling creativity and and diversity, you really just make the market stagnant. Yeah, like exactly. Pe- people have great ideas and they won't ever do anything about it. And sometimes it's because of the financial costs, which I can test to. My, my VSR Wasp cost me an absolute fortune because I couldn't commit to getting 500 units made because it was a big risk. Like, will 500 people want it? So you end up paying a, a phenomenal fee for them just to get 100 made. And beyond that, it's the, well, how's it going to be received? Are people going to slate it? Are people not going to like it? Are you going to invest that money? It's going to fail. You start making comments like people are on the groups and shunning people and shooting people down, then people just aren't going to want to put the time in to create new parts. Yeah, it gets rid of the creative aspect of Airsoft. Exactly. And the thing is, like with the, with 3D printing and things like that, you've had some awesome things come out. Like You look at Hadron Airsoft designs. That's revolutionised the MK23. Yeah. Like, I imagine if, if, if Hadron wanted to do that again... But go back, go back to when he thought of the design, and then but have it in today's environment. I imagine he probably wouldn't want to bother, even though he has done it, and now it's turned out to be probably the best upgrade part you can put in most pistols. For the the absolute slack you'd get online for it, it'd certainly put me off from doing anything, and it, and it has to an extent. I've certainly been put off from doing more content recently, um, and sadly, I think that's been reflected in my blog. But I'm working on some stuff. Um, in terms of content, it's just finding time. But yeah, it is a shame that things have got as bad as they have with admins being people that are selling the product, so they're boycotting anything else, and and people just being a bit keyboard warriorish instead of actually having conversations and, and interesting debates and and challenging the status quo. There's so many things that people still believe from ten years ago that's just completely wrong, but you're not allowed yeah. to question it anymore. Well, like you need a Yukara license. <laughs> oh, the Yukara license. Let's 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 start the trolling here rather than. Yukara Do I hear Graham beckoning in the background? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. While, while he's chanting ban HPA and everything else and looking for the next thing to upset, it'll be yeah. banning snipers next. Don't. <laughs> He'll ban himself from airsoft. He'll just ban people from airsoft. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, uh, the uh, sniper mechanic side, obviously you've been developing your um, skills, as it were, over the years, having spoken to you about how you got into it. Um, So, do you run this as a sort of business as well? Yeah, so originally it started, so I was working full-time for American Express at the time, and when I did the blog, and, and it was more of a, I was just fed up with my day job, and I wanted something to distract me in the evenings. And I was I was doing a lot of tech work just for myself, and I was buying projects to work on, so I thought I'll just document it. Um, and then I found out I was going to get made redundant um, from my job. So I thought, like, is there a way that I could make money from this? Like, do people want upgraded rifles? Like, is the is the content and my knowledge enough to get people to want to send me stuff to work on? And and I I get work from it. It's certainly not a full time job but it's something that helps me fund other projects but I kind of talk myself out of a lot of work because when people ask me sort of oh can I send my rifle to you my first response is what rifle is it and have I already done a blog post 
and I'll point people to the website because I'd write if possible I'd rather just tell people how to do it and get them to look at my blog and and have a go themselves I mean if they're really stuck I, I do do stuff um, and I'm pretty reasonable with what I cost and I've certainly had some good feedback from the people who I've done work for but it was never meant to be about getting money from it it was more just a platform for me to sort of vent my stress on and then it became something I enjoyed doing and I like sharing the knowledge and I like the community like I've had some really interesting discussions from the blog where I've wrote something and someone's challenged me on it and then we've had a really good debate about it or someone's been testing something and I've been testing it and we've both had completely different results and it's ended up in like massive sort of 2 3 a.m in the morning conversations exchanging chrono results and things and it's been really interesting and I've, and I've managed to meet and talk to a lot of people from doing it um so it's it's there i do do work for people um i still get people sending me stuff i've got a few bits in at the moment um predominantly vsrs i've had a few well mbo ones come in but people just want to have their vsrs set up and and get the smooth bolt pull which seems to be the thing that's uh stuck around and people are interested in yeah so speaking of the vsrs the wasp now this is something internal i don't know a lot about it so i'm trying to sort of get my i know it's something to do with the bolt and the airflow or something but that's sort of the limit of my knowledge so yeah so air, it start it stands for weight adjustable silent piston and how it all started was I was working on an old TM recoil shock. Um, and the, the idea was it gives recoil because it's got some weight stuck on the piston. And they were put there to give recoil without actually having a look at what that did to the gun in terms of performance. And while stripping it, um, I realised that the jewels crept on the weight, but they were low on the twos versus a standard stock VSR and it got me thinking um, so then I started just testing with adding weights to existing pistons and sort of the effect that had and it was simply you could get away of using more powerful uh, weaker springs sorry but keeping the jewels that you needed and it doesn't happen so much on VSRs but in some rifles you can be smack bang on the limit on the ammo you want to use like a 4 or 4.5 or something but actually you're massively over on point twos. yeah and the, the APS-2 system um, seems to fit that, whereas the VSR creeps. So I was toying with the idea of how do I get a nice, easy bolt pull without using a really weak spring and having low joules. So I started toying with the weights. Um, and then because of the way the weights work, when you're shooting, you're, you're hitting that cylinder head really hard, especially if you've got 60, 70, 80, even 119 grams, which is what the full-weighted wasp is. So I thought of an easy way to slow that down would be the old air brake idea. Because what that does is it forces all the air into like a little pocket in the last centimetre of travel, or eight and a half mil of travel. Um, and that basically makes the gun incredibly quiet. Um, it actually increases dual creep, um, and it slows the piston down so there's not enough, there's not too much energy smacking that piston head, making everything last longer. But then I noticed something else odd which was when you change that airflow, when you slow it down, so rather than all the air being shot out the barrel straight away, which is what happens with a light piston, when you add a weighted air brake piston, you're getting the same amount of air, but you're delivering over, over a marginally slower, constant release. And yeah. what happens is it actually affects how the hop works. 
And anyone who's had the WASP installed and uses it with longer contact buckings like the R-Hop, uh, Maple Leaf, TNT, those sort of buckings, all of them have commented on how the, the flight path stays flatter for longer and that the flight path is just different to traditional pistons. And it's because of the way the air is delivered. It's just a lot more stable. Um, and we're talking microseconds, so hundreds of a second difference, but it's enough for that BB to have a different interaction with the hot rubber. So then after all this testing and, and spending out on prototypes and having Marwood in my rifle for six months, absolutely hammering it, um, I decided that it worked. It was good enough and that I'd try and get something out there. And I decided on 100 because it was the smallest amount that I could buy and the largest amount that I could afford at the time because um, I took a bit of a gamble and used uh, my redundancy money to, to invest in it. Yeah. Um, and I got the first 100 and I had loads of problems with the, the rubber cups that come with them. They were made out of the wrong material. They were too hard. It didn't seal. Um, and I ended up having to pay even more money for them. And that well, that went back and forth a few times before we finally agreed on the last design and the last material. Um, and then I sent it to a few testers. Um, and then Snake got one. Uh, and he hammered it. He tried it in different guns. A few of the other Sniper Ops guys tried it in different guns to see how it worked. Um, and yeah, it was a success. Low failure rate. Most of the failure rate was due to people not Loctiting the screws for the weights. Um, but it worked well. And since doing it, I've learned even more. And I'm currently working on, or very nearly finished, the Wasp for the SRS rifle, which I've had in my rifle um, for a good few months now. Uh, and I've been designing it for probably about a year, just over a year. Um, and Gary Fox, or The Grey Fox, um, has had it for a few weeks, and he's testing the final prototype before production, um, and he's having some interesting, good interesting results with it. Um, so yeah, I'm planning on keep releasing parts. Um, not sure what else is in the pipeline, mainly pistons at the moment, but who knows in the future, as and when time allows, maybe a, a kit or a rifle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 who knows what the future can hold. With it, with it, uh, if especially if you've got all these ideas to improve the performance, then yeah, by all means. But there's one thing you've mentioned in that, and I'm gonna have to address it because I know people listening are gonna be going, "What the fuck is he going on about that?" Jewel creep. So jewel creep. So it's got a very negative stigma attached to it, which is people being dickheads. Or just being misinformed, it's not always their fault. Like if you've just started the sport, you don't know. There's people I know that have been playing for years that still don't grasp it. But when I use dual creep and when anyone uses it in a positive way, what you're wanting to do is make your rifle efficient. I.e. you don't want to use a heavy spring and have a difficult bolt pull. So on an SRS for example, rather than using an M150, even an M160, to get you to the 2.3, 2.5 joule limit, with the, the, S, the WASP piston and weighted pistons, where you're using dual creep in a positive way, what, you're allowed, what it allows you to do is actually use an M120 or an M140 spring and get yourself the 2.3 joules. And obviously having a weaker spring means, one, you're going to increase the longevity of parts because there's less wear and tear on them, and two, you're going to be able to use a lighter spring, which is going to be a lot easier for bolt pull. So while people do use it to, to cheat the chronographs, um, and I certainly am against it, the intention is that actually you're using it to basically make your rifle efficient. And as I said earlier, in some rifles, 
to get the jewels that you need on the ammo that you want to use, like fours, four fives, etc., you end up being massively over on point twos. Obviously, you've got no intention of using point twos as a sniper, but you've now found that actually you're over a limit, and when you set yourself to 500 on twos, you're getting less than two jewels on the ammo you do want to use. Because so yeah, you... this is the thing that, as well, you've got the uh, 2.5 jewel legal limit now, haven't you, on point twos? It's not on whatever weight you'll be using, it's on a point two gram BB. Yeah, it isn't clearly specified. Um, and to be fair, a lot of places obviously do stick to the 500 rule or the 2.3 joules. Um, private games, 2.5 sort of tends to be the limit. Um, not the limit, but the area of variance, i.e. if you're 2.33 joules, you can still use it because the legal limit is 2.5. But a lot of obviously that is down to insurance, which still relies on a very outdated system of chrono in obviously the guns. Yeah, which is all very FPS based and I'm sure you know exactly who I mean is going to be up in arms now because you've mentioned the JC words um, you know exactly yeah. who's going to be going on about that when he listens back to this episode see with the jaw creep it's one of those things that while there is a limit set in place I would still stand by I would rather get shot at 30 metres with a gun that's two and a half jaws than shot at 5 metres by an idiot with HPA at 1.3 joules. Because I've been shot by both, and I know which one will certainly do the most damage. 30 rounds a second in a confined spot at short range is going to absolutely annihilate you compared to one round from 30 metres. Because even though it's 2.5 at the muzzle, it certainly slows down and loses a lot of energy over distance. Whereas at 5 metres, yeah, sure, the FPS might be lower in that limit, but it's the rounds per second that I think are more dangerous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's um, these things get bad reputations because of people being stupid with them, basically. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, the jewels aren't the problem. The rounds per second aren't the problem. It's the players. And, yeah. and again, some of those, it's some people are doing it because that's their nature. They will want to cheat, whether it's dual creep, whether it's rounds per second, whether it's changing springs, etc. mid-game. But sometimes it's people that, again, are just uneducated or, or don't understand. And that's no, that's that's the community's problem. That's something that does need to be educated. But it does seem... Obviously, dual creep affects snipers more, and I don't think it's so much the people. I think it's more the system that people use for snipers is very different. Um obviously compared to HPA, people tend to not use massively heavy ammo. If they're at 350 FPS, they're probably going to be sticking to less than twos at less than 3.3 BBs. And the creep between a 2 and a 3 isn't massive compared to a 0.2 to like a 4.8. Yeah. But it's the thing, it's, it's it's never the tools that are the problem, it is the people. Um, so it is a tough one. Yeah, like, like you said, it's, it's, a, we could, it's a debate that could go on for hours and hours and hours. Um, the thing that I mean personally like I get what it is I know why snipers rave about it but I think the open sort of bragging about it as such on some community groups by people who are wanting to go out and almost hurt people because they are tuning their rifles up to 2.5 2.5 on a 0.2 and then going on about dual creep and that's where 
a lot of the negativity from my perspective has come into it, if that makes sense. I'm, I get where you're coming. I certainly don't believe in vilifying people. Yeah, that's why I'm not going through and mentioning exact cases and names but, on here. But, I, again, it's that you've got to look at where these sites are being played and the kind of people that are the people complaining. And a lot of the time they are the HPA-wielding people that are equally as dangerous. I, it's one of those things that if the law says that it's X amount, then technically, devil's advocate, if that's the legal limit, then up until that limit, you've done nothing wrong unless a site specifically says that it's a, a certain limit at that site. Yeah, exactly. And, um, oh, sorry, cut is, out there. Sorry, no, no I was... I'm still suffering from a cold, so oh, sorry. I was just blowing my nose, so I just muted myself <laughs> briefly, and then you finished. I was like, "Oh crap, hang on, I'm back." <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things that until people are educated and until everyone is on equal footing, you are going to have people that are going to say, "Well, the limit's this, and that's if the site limit is this, then that's what I'm going to adhere to." If dual creep isn't accounted for, yeah, you're going to have people that... allowing it, and it's and I think. It's, it's one of those I'm not too bothered by. If I go to a site and they say, hi guys, the limit is 500 on twos um, and we're going to have another chrono set up um, to make sure that the ammo you're using is under 2.5 joules. Ideally, the target is 2.3, but if you're a little bit over that, um, we'll use the best of both and, and we'll try and get you to play. I think that's acceptable. If people yeah, know that and they go to a site and that's their expectation, but I'd also like to go to a site where they say the limit here is... 27 rounds per second yeah I mean, than... the, the thing i like about the chrono, i've got one myself downstairs and chronos these days can do both so why not start chronoing on jewels but also you can make sure that it is within those fps limits by checking on a chrono that does both you can have it there you can have your fps and your jewels and you make sure that the people who are chronoing are using the weight that they will be doing, even if, as I saw a site demonstrate they were going to do recently, um, having a set of scales in the chrono room so you can make sure that they're chronoing with the weight they tell you they are. Yeah, I think it's it's like I've got an next Cortex chrono and it does the same thing when I shoot. Yeah. It tells me the FPS and then it tells yeah, me the Yeah, I've got exactly the same one. I've got one of and... the nice yellow ones you can bolt onto your rail. Yeah, and I think they're absolutely fine. Again, I've got, I'm on the fence with it. I'm neither. I'm until the the rules are enforced and everyone has to adhere to them, and, and groups of people aren't targeted, then I think then yeah, we should. It should be made aware of, but it shouldn't be something that people are punished for because some people don't understand it or the sites they play at don't enforce it, and if they're not doing it, but nine out of ten people at that site are doing it then obviously you get people that get a bit disgruntled that they're doing what they should be doing and then you've got a group of people that aren't doing it. So it's, yeah, it's this, a tough one. I get where it's going. This is trouble, yeah. But it's one of those things that once it's changed people and it's formally there and sites started doing it, then yeah, that's when people should knuckle down and say, right, I'm going to this site and this site specifically calls out that it needs to be X, Y, and Z. Whether that's on a sniper a HPA, a gas blowback, or an AEG, because AEGs can be DSG'd and just as deadly as HPA in terms of rate of fire. So I think once that's rolled out, and or if it does get rolled out and sites want to do that, 
then it's fine. Um, but it should be, again, it should be a choice. Like, Milson people might want to play at the, the higher end of the legal limit. Because I think it's 1.7 joules for anything full automatic. Uh, as opposed no, it's 1. to 1.3, 2.5. Is it 1.3? Okay. Yeah. One, <laughs> I, I know the, you know, I, I heard these figures so bloody much when it was yeah. kicking off. It's literally just ingrained in my brain. 1.3, 2.5. Because it's 370 FPS, isn't it? Yeah, I think it works out about 372, but obviously a lot of sites work to the 350. And as you said, there are ways of getting 1.3 joules out of a 350 FPS gun. Yeah, but it's one of those things. It's there, obviously, people are trying to discuss it and raise it awareness. And and again, I think if sites, it's sites' responsibilities to do it. If they stick to the 500 FPS on point two's rule, that's their risk. Players yeah. will play to whatever the site's rules are. Um, yeah. I mean, you could argue the exact same thing for a bang kill. If a site allows it and someone wants to do it, fine. If a site allows it, doesn't allow it, and people want to do it, they do it at their own risk. No, I'm, I'm all part of James's campaign against bang kills. It should be banned. <laughs> yeah. Offer a well, surrender, but you can still so, shoot each other that, I don't... I don't... <laughs> We've got actually into full-on airsoft debates here. This is unheard <laughs> of in this. We've got into... No, bank kills I very rarely hear of. I know sites that off, will allow you to offer a surrender. Yeah, surrender Which I is hear, fair but... enough, because that's saying, I'm not going to be a dick and point-blank shoot you in the back of the head with a 350 FPS gun. Because it fucking hurts, and I wouldn't like someone to do it to me kind of thing. So you, are, you have the opportunity to say to them, Look, do you want to take it? And I've I've even had it before where a guy come round, I'd literally taken the pin out of a grenade and was just about to throw it, and he shot me, and I was stood there holding a grenade. He looked at me, looked at the grenade, and went, "Yeah, I'll take that as well," and walked off. So, yeah, like, I, think... I didn't even have to offer him that time. It was just like you could just drop that and go anyway <laughs> if I, you I, wanted I've, to. I've played. I haven't played for a while, but I used to play CQB at the mall. I used to. Yeah hire it out with some guys off the airsoft forum uk about 30 of us used to just hire it from six till midnight on a saturday um and there's no bang rule and that's you're within like your average kill distance there is between five to ten meters yeah like the the polite thing to do is try not to shoot them in the face but it is cqb it is dark and adrenaline is going so you probably will get shot in the face and that's fine it's a contact sport while you shouldn't go out of your way to do it if it's the shot that you need to take yes yeah my girlfriend oh, shot me in the face. Literally, yeah. I walked round a corner, and she panicked and shot, and she shot me on the nose, not at the nose. Her gun was resting on my face when she shot. And yeah. it's like things happen. People panic, and when you're at that distance and you're getting shot at, you know things are going to happen. I think if exactly. you're in a woodland and you get up close up to someone and they haven't spotted you yet, then yeah, offer the surrender, but have your figure, finger on the trigger, ready to shoot them the yeah. second that they look like they're not going to surrender. Or failing that, be a badass and knife kill them, teabag them when they're laying on the floor. and Yeah, or just shoot them in the plate carrier or the camelback. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, yeah that's exactly what I, I tend to do. If someone don't take it, you just shoot them in the plate carrier because they're just going to turn around and shoot you anyway, so you go for something that isn't going to... Yeah. I mean, I'd be more embarrassed if someone walked up and got behind me and said, bang. If they walked up behind me and shot me, I'd be annoyed, yeah. but I'd be like, oh, they've shot me. Like, it's, it's the, I hope I mean, that 0.3p was worth it. Yeah, I know I know, um, <laughs> I know. know a lot of people, not a lot of places in America seem to run a bang rule as such, but it's starting to creep over here, and I don't agree with it from my perspective. At the end of the day, you're playing airsoft, you're going to get shot. 
if there's the opportunity to just say to someone, look, I've got your banking rights here, and they go, fair enough, then crack on. But if they don't take it, you just fucking shoot them. Because that's what yeah. we're paying to do, and get paying to be shot at. Yeah, I think I think a hell of a lot of it isn't people isn't people actually being bothered about the bang rule. I think it's people being annoyed they've got the drop on someone, and that person has then quickly turned around and shot them because the bang rule shouldn't exist. Like, offer the surrender, but you know, be prepared to shoot them. But I'd I, always like, chance it. If someone said bang to me, I would always give it a shot. Even if half the time I end up getting shot point blank in the face, I still have a crack because you've got a good chance of getting them first. But I mean, the examples I've seen, which you would have seen as well from James, the guy was fucking metres away from him. He was about five metres away running along going bang, bang, bang. You just sound stupid. People have done it in the mall. They've run into a room and gone bang, bang, bang. And you think, yeah. well, why? Like... No, we haven't shot you because we're stunned that you've run into a room and shouted, bang at us. Yeah. Like, throw a grenade in, run in and shoot us and see how many you get. But, yeah. oh well, it's one of those things, rough track. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we sort of covered it, the sniper mechanics side of it and the wasp. Um, what else can you tell us about sniper mechanics in the coming few months? What's coming up for you? Well, obviously working with Skirmshot, we're going to try and do some pre-upgraded rifles, um, trying to juggle the time between sorting out the orders and everything and getting some rifles out. Um, just because people spend a lot of money on doing the rifles and and they struggle with it and they get put off because the thing with Airsoft is nothing just fits. Like, ever. Like, the yeah. day you put something in an Airsoft gun and it just works, that, that I'll just quit Airsoft. I'll, I'll die happy. And it doesn't. And I think people get put off by sniping because it can be expensive. That You're spoiled for choice with parts. And there's so many different platforms and, and types of systems that you can use. So I'm hoping to sort of bring in on my page, my Facebook page and the blog, and we're going to try and do a learning series to show people what platforms take what parts and, and sort of what, like, if they want to do it on a budget, what they can start with up to what they can do high-end. And, and be able to offer them rifles so if they do want to get into sniping they can do it for a couple of hundred pounds with a good gun that's going to last them until they choose to upgrade rather than buying some of the pre-upgraded packages out there that are phenomenally expensive we just want to say look it's, it's going to shoot as well as it needs to shoot the bolt pull will be using a 45 degree trigger so that'll be stiffer than a 90 the cylinder won't be the best cylinder but it'll be enough to last you until you decide to upgrade again but we want to be able to give people an entry-level rifle and a choice of them whether it's a vsr or an l96 the strikers things like that and um, we just want to be able to do a more a lot more pre-upgraded stuff if people want like the guides will be there to for the people that don't want to do that and want to give it a, a go themselves and for the people that don't want to do it don't have the time or, or don't have the confidence then they can go for the pre-upgraded options um, yeah yeah i'm working on some other parts um, obviously the SRS stuff at the moment, but I'm looking to do the Wasp for a lot of the other platforms. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just seeing, seeing what a, I can do. You're going to make a special one for the HTI when that comes out. Seeing as it's a fucking monster of a rifle. I Yeah, I'd almost be scared to put a Wasp in it, because I can only imagine it would dual creep phenomenally. And like, even if you put the weaker spring in, just because of the sheer volume of it, yeah, because um, aren't they saying that it's isn't it quoted as being over twice the air volume of uh, VSR, from what I remember the guy saying. 
I think it's twice the volume of an SRS. Yeah, it was. It was because the, the yeah the VSR and the SRS were fairly close, weren't they? The VSR is twenty seven centimeter cube centimeters cubed volume. Yeah. The SRS pull bolt system is forty one, and if, I think the HTI is closer to like seventy or something. Yeah, it was phenomenal the amount of air you're getting out of that thing. I was just like, but being why? Obviously, it's going to have to have a massive sort of eight. Well, the the barrel's going to have to be eight and a half mil ish to shoot out an eight mil BB, um, if not a bit larger. So you're going to have to use a lot of that air is going to be just to get the BB out of the barrel. Let yeah, alone so get we're it talking out of the about the eight mil versions as well, weren't they? Obviously, the six yeah. mil version over here, really, because everything's geared towards six mils. So that's sort of the legal definition. Yeah. But, yeah, but, look, I think that would be an interesting rifle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it comes out. Obviously, me being me, I'm more looking forward to the MDR, but that's just yeah. me being a, a not-so-sniper because I'm not really built for sneakiness. I'm built to just go kicking doors in and throwing yeah. grenades into rooms and stuff. I'm, I'm thinking that MDR could be... Without seeing, obviously I've seen it at IWA, I've spoken to the guys about it at Silverback. Um, I think, minus sort of the, the MAGA detection and stuff, which I don't think it has, can't remember, I don't think it has that, but it could be the Scorpion Killer, because it's got the MOSFET, It's I think it's got programmable, it's got the weird, fancy, futuristic motor in it, um, and going by the quality of everything else Silverback have done, it, it could be sort of the next best gun beyond the recoils. Yeah, I mean, as as you said, the quality that Silverback are producing, it's like you've got a real rifle in your hands. That's the only way you can describe it. It is like holding a proper rifle in your hands. Yeah, and it's it's, the, it's not just the quality of the gun, it's the quality of their customer service. Uh, I've, as you can imagine, doing airsoft for 10 years, buying and breaking things over the course of 10 years, I've dealt with various retailers, suppliers, factories, etc., and I've had to send three parts back, or not send them back, I've, I've informed Silverback about three issues I had when I got the rifle, which was the rifle had the wrong sear on it. They said, okay, sorry about that. And the sear was in the post in four days time. Um, a customer's rifle from Skirm Shop uh, had a little dent in the barrel. Um, they said, no, no problem at all. Give us the address, they sent him a barrel. Um, other customer had torn bucking, they sent handfuls of buckins. They, they just are so proud of what they do and take such pride in their work yeah they're almost offended when there's a problem but not offended as in that oh you've broken it our stuff's the best you know you've done this more like oh really sorry about that we we want to make a good item let us fix that for you yeah let's sort this problem out for you at our cost yeah and i think that's one of the biggest selling points that's certainly what got me into the srs was the fact that i like the look of the platform um i like ballpups anyway um, and like I was following them on the group for a while, and I just saw the fact that people were having, occasionally people were having problems or questions, and and stuff was just getting fixed and resolved. Um, and it was just good to see that. And having used their rifles for a while now, having worked on quite a few, um, I assembled and tested every single one that went out when we had them in stock at Skirm Shop. So <laughs> I've certainly had a fair few apart, and they are just good rifles. And it'll be I'll be hard pressed to find another rifle from anyone else that comes close to it in terms of quality 
which is good. But at the same time, my concern now is, are people just going to give up? Because there's not a huge amount of diversity with the sniper rifles. You've sort of got your 10 basic models that all come in different stocks, and that's really it. Like, there's nothing fancy on the horizon from what I've seen. Yeah, it's got. It's me. It means that people are going to have to up their games, doesn't it? Rather than just giving up and throwing in the towel. Yeah. You're going to have to see the likes of TM, like who is it that makes the striker? Aries, uh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to see these companies starting to go right. Okay, what can we do to make what we make up to this standard? Yeah, well, the striker's another good example. The striker's one of those for the price, the cost, price, and performance. Uh, sorry, cost, performance, and quality for the striker is is near enough unmatched. Now I got one of the strikers when they first come out, and it was one of my first blog posts, and I did literally. I don't know, about four hours worth of DIY work on it. And I spent about £50 on a barrel and a bucking. And I had the thing shooting 80, 90 metres. And I sent it up to Kiki Mustang to review. And that's a cheap gun. They've gone up in price now. I think they're about 175 But they were £150 when I bought it. Yeah. And, yeah, they take VSR buckings. They take VSR um, barrels, AEG springs. Like they're an easy rifle to work on. And they just work really well. They're a good base platform, and and that's the other thing is, there's a lot of other companies that have come out and done good budget guns, and then that's it. They are budget guns, but Striker is one of the ones where actually it is a budget gun. Like it's cheaper than a standard TM VSR. It's more expensive than the VSR clones, but actually it's a nice looking gun. It's got decent mag placement. The stocks are pretty good on them, and yeah, I, th- I think Ares's customer service is pretty good from what I've seen as well cool cool so yeah it's definitely one we can watch over the coming few months anyway seeing what happens with the sniper rifle market and speaking to you and the skirm shop guys on a regular basis it's certainly something i think all of us are going to be watching for the next 12 months yeah i mean if i if i had the the resources i'd certainly want to build a rifle and bring it to market there's certainly a few models out there that I'd like, like the look of. Um, and I think I've got the knowledge to do the internals. It would just be a case of finding out how much it would cost. But unfortunately, it's, it's a numbers game. It yeah. is that can you get 500 made and, and can you sell 500? Because it's a lot of money to sit on if you can't. But there's loads of... Like, if I had an opportunity, obviously there's been YouTubers that have had opportunities to do something good and they've settled for something mediocre. Um but if I ever got approached or if I was ever financially in a position to bring something to the market, I would bring something simple that just worked. Like, yeah. And it, would, it would just look cool and it would just be compatible. Like with, I'd like to try and make it compatible with everything in VSR because it's such a good system. But now you've got the SRS with the way that works, you know, bigger cylinder, longer piston. There's loads of cool things you could do. But yeah, the dream is to have a, have my own rifle but for the moment i think it'll just have to be what's existing although saying that a shout out to a company um just because i think loads of people should be talking to these guys because they do incredible work but a guy called dominic over at vintage airsoft he does awesome handmade world war guns like smle's k98 stens brens all of that sort of stuff and we've been talking for a while now 
and he's actually building me an SMLE number four or Mark IV, sorry. And oh, you yeah. couldn't commercially make them, but it the things he does looks incredible. So I'm looking forward to getting that. And yeah, I've been speaking to him about if there's potential for him to do the the externals and the the, the crafting of the rifle, and for me to do sort of the guts and the innards. Just because they're some cool rifles, like who doesn't want a vintage World War sniper? Like, I think yeah, all exactly. of us do. Like a scoped SMLE, yes, please. Yeah, and uh, obviously then you can open the market up to the guys that are doing the World War One events that seem to be becoming more and more popular. Yeah, yeah, so, all the reenactment stuff is brilliant. Yeah, yeah reenactments think... as well. Yep, you've got that market. Yeah, there's there's not a huge like you've got shoot and scoop who I think makes some kits, but otherwise any of the, the decent ones you see are, are generally handmade by people and it's some serious talent. Like, I'm good at sort of the mechanical side of things and the tech, but I am crap when it comes to like woodwork and things like that. Um, despite my dad being a carpenter, it's not a skill that transferred. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a certainly a uh, unique skill set in some yeah. respects, being able to do that, you know, I could just about make a block that's sort of rectangular. I can't make it a cube. I've got a funny story about DIY, actually, if you're interested. <laughs> Go on, why not? So when I was about 19, I lived with a mate of mine called Dave. And his name is actually Dave. I'm not saying it to protect him. Um, <laughs> and we had a, a house party and and someone put a glass on one of the shelves in the bathroom. And I went in there uh, and this shelf just coincidentally fell off as I was in there and a glass fell over and chipped the porcelain in the basin. So I messaged the landlady and I was like, oh, you know, something happened. Your shelf fell down, the basin's broke. And she wasn't a particularly great landlady and she was like, well, I'll, I'll buy the pedestal in the basin, but I'm not fitting it. And I was like, ah, it's fine, I'm a man, I can fit things. Right, it's in my yeah. jeans. So I did. I put the basin up, put the pedestal in, plumbed it all in. About four hours later, my flatmate's in there filling the sink up and I hear this almighty crash. He shouts my name and I run in and the basins fell off the pedestal because it turns out while you can plumb it and it's pretty secure, you do actually have to bolt it to the wall. <laughs> oh, you didn't. So uh, uh, that, that's sort of the, the level of my household DIY skills right there. Yeah. I could do painting, kind of. Yeah, I'm fine um, with painting. Although, actually, having said that, I did help a friend paint his house last year and there's still a purple splodge that we can't get rid of no matter how many coats of paint myself and his fiance put on that wall when we painted that room there is still a horrible little purple splodge in the background is that from a previous paint coat yeah it, it was purple when we started and we got most most of the walls look really nice like the other three walls look really nice but this one there's just this horrible little bit that will not go away and we just kept putting paint and putting paint and putting paint on and it would not disappear. It was horrendous. And we were just like, yeah, let's give up on that. There's always one, isn't there? Yeah, it was so annoying as well because everything else, we were like, we're just sat there not knowing what's going on kind of thing. We've just got up to help out. And he's actually apparently told his mum that like there were professional decorators coming to help him out. And it's just us lot that play airsoft with him. Just up. hang a picture to- over it. Two of the guys who actually did the flooring of that do sort of decorating and stuff on a, on a daily basis, so they did a really good job of that. But it's just like in, in, you've got one guy who doesn't know what he's doing, so he's just running round 
making cups of tea pretty much and going, does anyone need help? And we're all like, no. It's like, oh. And he's just all the way, hello, Donis, my old friend. And um, You say he then, does know what he's doing. I argue. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, he's just, keeping uh, everyone hydrated. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, yeah, it was just chaotic. But, I mean, it looks good. And like you said, they could just hang something up and hide it. Um, yeah, picture or a poster. Right, last thing we'll cover. We've covered all your sort of style mechanics and what you've got coming up and that. Um, how did you get involved with Skirm Shop? Because obviously it started off with the guys in the Netherlands and recently Skirm Shop UK's come onto the scene. Yeah, so what? So Skirm Shop's been around for about five, six years now, I think. Um, and I've known the guys for quite a while. Um, they helped me out with Sniper Mechanic. Um, they were basically giving me discounts on parts so that I could then keep my costs down for myself and for customers when I was doing upgrades. And, and we just kept in contact. And, and they'd wanted to move to the UK for a long time. Um, they'd met a load of suppliers years back and, and told suppliers that they were looking to come to the UK and, and sort of behind the scenes getting things set up. Um, and then when I, I was talking to them one night, Barry and Wesley and... That again, they were sort of echoing that they wanted to move to the UK. And at the time, I was working for Amex still full-time. And then uh, they came and they met some other people in the UK that they were going to potentially work with in terms of getting a skirm shop set up here yeah. and how it would be managed, etc. Um, and then, yeah, lo and behold, I found out I was getting made redundant. So we had a few conversations. The guys came over here. We spoke about how it would work, sort of what my involvement would be, sort of what the long game would be. And then I went over to the Netherlands, and then they came back over again. I've been over there a few times now, um, and yeah, it just it just sort of sprung from a conversation about, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Like now you haven't got a job. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it'd be good because I could take all the knowledge that I've got and all the contacts and the social media I have with Sniper Mechanic and and help Skirm Shop here get set up in the UK. And and obviously Barry and Wesley already had those relationships with suppliers and the know-how. Um, and I had financial knowledge from my job at Amex, so it just sort of it just sort of naturally evolved from sort of a half serious comment into a into a UK limited company that's been open for four months now. Yeah, yeah, because um, I just remember it appeared, and I was like, oh, this sort of crept out of nowhere, and now yeah, like you said, uh, four months got strong from the sounds of it. Yes, yeah, it started sort of in the the later uh, later part of last year um but just trying to get things set up in the uk for a new company is quite difficult um especially if you go down the limited route um with the proper vat and an actual premises because what we didn't want to do was start out sort of and and not to nothing bad against the, the smaller shops but you do have obviously the bedroom sellers and while that's obviously a lot easier to get started it's a lot more difficult when you have a high volume of stock um, and you're trying to get trade accounts of suppliers that want you to have a physical premises. So we sort of jumped right in the deep end and had to find a, a premises, and we found one and that fell through, we found another one and that fell through, um, and it was just a bit of a hassle. And then, yeah, sort of over the Christmas period, the worst time to for everything to have come into place, things yeah. started rolling, and yeah, and then come January, we sort of said, right, we've got this much stock here, loads of it's in customs. Um Funny that some of the stuff we ordered is still with customs now, um, yeah. just because they can be very difficult. So we just opened with what we had and, yeah, just been slowly building up stock for the last few months. Obviously, we've had 
SRS stuff in, all of the Maple Leafs parts and everything else. And we're just slowly sort of building the stock that we have in, uh, have in here in the UK. Cool, cool. So, yeah, it's, it's good to see and definitely going to be following what you guys are doing over the coming months. Uh, and especially sort of now I'm involved to some extent with what you guys are doing anyway. I'm trying to get yeah. the name out there for Skirm Shop and that both in the Netherlands and in the UK. Yeah, it's been good and, and it's been a mixed reception. Like obviously as you can imagine there are there are retailers that don't like it and it's I don't think it's even because it's us, I think it's just from their point of view it's just another retailer opening up and and obviously Airsoft is bigger and you are getting more and more sort of bedroom sellers and then small to medium companies coming over. Obviously you had Red Wolf come to the UK a few years back and obviously they were a big player. So there's been, as you can imagine, there's been some friction there. And then on the flip side of that, there's actually been some retailers that are, are really nice. Like I've, there's a few people, shops that I've dealt with, obviously as a customer for years, and I've met them in person at IWA, and or, or I just know them from gaming with them. And, and it's good. Like there's, It's funny how there are all these retailers, and you get some that are just sort of really against anyone else ever selling anything in the UK. And then you get other shops that are like, well, how's it going? Like, do you need a trade reference? Like, how can we help? Like, what are you, what are you B2Bing for? What can we help each other with? And it's been really good. They're like, yeah, it's just been surprising that some suppliers are just that nice and helpful. And there's such a contrast against the ones that aren't particularly happy or helpful. But the community's been great. Um, obviously, we in the UK, we sort of inherited a load of skirm shop customers anyway um, from the guys over in the Netherlands. And, and then we've had loads of customers here in the UK. And, and I see the same... I see names pop up and I'm thinking, oh, you've ordered a few times. I, I must put something in your package. And then we'll just try and chuck people like a bucking here or something like that. It's just to sort of say, oh, thanks for ordering. Like, I've said this is like the 10th order. Like, you've got a yeah. problem. Does your partner know that you buy this much airsoft stuff? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, it's you... good. Like, the yeah, People it's... interact a lot, which is good. There's a lot of people don't just sort of message you and say, have you got this in stock? It's like, oh, hi, guys. I, I saw you posted this or I was watching Snipe Mechanic and... I want to get this part or like I'm building this like what would you suggest and it's good it's it's more than just answering questions people generally think feel that they can talk to us and have a conversation and we're not just going to shut them down and it's it's good I like it it's the, it's the one part that I haven't found stressful is, is the people they've been great cool cool yeah it's good and uh, yeah definitely one to watch over the coming months well, thanks for coming on, Dan. It's been great talking to you, and we've actually got some serious airsoft debate in tonight. <laughs> I don't know um, how you managed to coax me into it. I don't, I don't know how. It, <laughs> it, it was almost like it was completely by accident. No, you had it written down in a notepad, didn't you? You were like, I'm going to talk about this, soften him up, and then boom, in with the debate. <laughs> you know me by now. I, I, I go through the questions, and I just keep asking the next one based on the last one. But, yeah, uh, where can the guys find you? Um, on Facebook, uh, forward slash Snife Mechanics, um, snifemechanics.com, which has got all the blog posts on it, Snife Mechanics on YouTube, and at Snife Mechanics on Instagram. Cool. And uh, guys, you know where to find me by now. Uh, we're 14 episodes in, or 15, you should know where to find me by now. Uh, this week, go check out what Skirm Shop has to offer. They don't just do... The sniper parts, they do have some gas blowback parts as well, and uh, it's really good stuff that they've got there, so definitely go check those guys out. All right, thanks for coming on, Dan. And um, Thanks for having me. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Cheers. Bye. See you later. Bye.